This is News Source 1 Michiana. Your balanced source of news for the community. Welcome to Michiana Speak Out with Keith Thews. An interactive podcast where we can talk to you or you can speak to us. The show begins right after the national news. News Nation this hour, I'm Kevin Wells. An FDA advisory panel begun two days of debate on COVID-19 booster shots today. News Nation's Paul Gerke says they're starting today with Moderna's. Tomorrow, that panel will take a look at Johnson & Johnson, but we've been told there isn't much data for them to go off of. Regardless of the vaccine's flavor, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky is recommending you get one as we enter our second flu season with COVID. The number of Americans seeking new unemployment benefits dropped by nearly 36,000 last week to the lowest level since the early days of the pandemic, just 293,000. It's the first time it's dipped below 300,000 since March of 2020 when the virus first started intensifying. Overseas, a 13-story building fire in southern Taiwan has killed at least 46 people and injured another 41. And that's the sound of firefighters searching for survivors. It happened overnight in the massive port of the city of Goshuan. Police arresting prominent South Carolina lawyer Alex Murdaugh today at a drug rehab facility in Orlando. Federal prosecutors have charged him with stealing insurance settlements meant for the sons of his late housekeeper. He's in rehab for six weeks since claiming he was shot in the head. A cold front moving through western states is about to bring the coolest temperatures so far this year. Further east, News Nation's Gerard Jabaley. We're talking about 40s to start out your morning on Saturday for Kansas City, Chicago, 50s in Nashville, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., even Jackson. We'll start to get some of that cooler air once we get in the next couple of days. And Jabaley says by Sunday, nearly every state in the nation will be starting the day with cooler fall temperatures. Find News Nation on your cable or satellite provider and stay up to date around the clock at NewsNationNow.com and on the News Nation Now app. I'm Kevin Wells. Hello, happy Thursday, happy Friday Eve. You are listening to Michiana Speak Out on News Source One Michiana. Thank you all for listening to the podcast yesterday with my interview with Alan Stewart on the new look to the Superman comics. And if you haven't got a chance to listen to it, please take a listen. Uh, It was a great interview, and uh, please share it around to be educated on this. Coming out by Superman's son, who looks like he's going to be taking over the throne of Superman himself. Boy, it has been rainy today, and we got more coming, and the temperatures are dropping. Get the sweaters ready. Temperatures are getting ready to drop uh, over the next few days with highs um, in sweater weather conditions up into the uh, 50s and 60s and lows down into the 40s according to the forecast that I've been seeing on Channel 22. So be ready. It's October. It is time to get ready for the colder temperatures. Well, speaking of colder temperatures, um, that means that things are starting to wrap up, and that means baseball is starting to wrap up. And coming up, we're going to be talking to Zach Foster, my coworker. He's a Boston training. He is a sports nut. He's taken communication in college, and uh, we're going to be talking about the the uh, upcoming playoffs. We have a nail biter coming up 
and uh, in baseball tonight, and so we're going to be talking about that for a few minutes with Zach Foster, and then after that, we're going to go through some of the archives of Ron Varash and his w interviews with some of the drivers at the restaurants over the years, and so we'll go through three of those tonight on our show, and we have more coming up also with Happy and Hole and Him with Pastor Joel, and another episode with the Census Bureau for our history moment of the day. All coming up, plus the Rural America Report. Yes, that is the Yonder Report. We've got that coming up right after these messages and before we talk to Zach. You're listening to Michigan Speak Out on News Source 1, Michiana. Next Reality Studios. Located at 1100 North Chicago Avenue in Goshen is your hot community spot for virtual reality. 20,000 square feet of VR fun. Social and community groups can use the Innovation Center for various trainings and events. Very easy to find at the Old Bag Factory. Look them up on Facebook and call ahead to book a time slot. Walk-ins are welcome too. What is dedication? My daughter started making necklaces. She makes what we call affirmation fashion. I tell her every day that your black is beautiful. Your black is beautiful. And if there's anything better than being beautiful, it's being smart. If there's anything better than being smart, it's being kind. And reaffirming that every day is our method of making sure her chin never drops. My dad wasn't around. And I remember riding a bike and falling off and cutting myself, and me never would just want to get back on it. People ask, how your children learn how to ride a bike, and you didn't? I didn't teach them. I just created an environment where they taught themselves, and all I had to do was be there. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. From the Daily Yonder and Public News Service, this is the news from rural America. I have seen many sharp young people be overlooked because of their geographic location. Shanika Williams is pushing back on a New York Times story that depicted rural schools as mismanaged and failing. The Michigan State University educator worries a rush for change could make matters worse. And if a policymaker reads that, then that person is probably going to be for more district consolidation where communities get decimated. Williams co-authored a rebuttal to the Times story with Mara Casey Teakin, Associate Professor of Education at Maine's Bates College. The headline was The Tragedy of Rural Schools. And this is not a school tragedy. This is a policymaking tragedy. This is a resource tragedy. Rural students graduate high school at rates higher than the national average and outperform non-rural students on national tests, including math and reading. In the Black Belt of Alabama, Uniontown finally has money to fix its crumbling wastewater system. But many of the small town's predominantly black residents say they've been left out of crucial decisions and worry funded projects won't see the light of day. The public hearing to get the ideas and get the concerns of the people, it never happened. County Commissioner Ben Eaton says sewer systems have been out of compliance for decades, not unusual in communities with high levels of poverty and a low tax base. Coast to coast, the pandemic sent farmers reeling. Corn prices dropped drastically. That's farmer Ethan Whiteside in Queenstown, Maryland. But it was no different in Iowa, 
where the state's Farm Bureau has been scrutinized for piling up cash while farmers scrape by. The Midwest Center for Investigative Reporting found the nonprofit's revenues climbed nearly 200 percent the past decade, more than any other Farm Bureau, even while many growers struggled. That includes cattle ranchers, who say they can't stay competitive because four U.S. companies purchase and process roughly 80 percent of America's beef. I think there is a potential that they'll be forced to sell off some plants because they have just a little bit too much control. Mark Watney with the North Dakota Farmers Union is promoting the Fairness for Farmers campaign, arguing the federal government needs to address consolidation in the beef industry. October festivals abound, but there's nothing to match the one in Banner Elk, North Carolina. They're off, they're off, they're running! The Woolly Worm Festival features fuzzy caterpillars who are said to predict the severity of winter's first 13 weeks. Let me tell you about this worm that just won. A small speck of snow the first week, a little bit the third week. Some 20,000 people will worm their way to this month's 44th annual festival. For the Yonder Report and Public News Service, I'm Roz Brown. For more rural stories, visit dailyyonder.com. All right, and that was the Daily Yonder Report from Public News Service, heard every Thursday on Michigan Speak Out. And joining me here on the interview is Mr. Zach Foster, a good friend of mine from work, Boston Training, and resident of Mishawaka. How are you doing today? Not too bad. How are you doing today, Keith? All right, you told me that we're going to be talking about a major baseball challenge going on tonight. We have two teams that have two wins apiece, and it's uh, winners take all. Yes. So which teams are going for it? Yes, that's correct. Uh, tonight we're going to see Game 5 of the NLDS. You're going to see the Dodgers and San Francisco Giants from San Francisco. Um, should be a quite competitive game. Two NL West rivals really hate each other. Um, the other team doesn't want to see the other team get a chance at a World Series shot. So probably look for a lot of switches, lots of changes in uh, pitchers, you know, everything you should expect in a baseball game, especially with winners take all on the line. All right, so who have been the major players so far to keep this two and two? Um, somewhat some of the old veterans who have been here before. You got Evan Longoria for the Giants. You got Buster Posey for the Giants. Um, Mookie Betts for the Dodgers, been there, done that. And even guys like Clayton Kershaw, who's hurting and isn't playing right now, he's still supporting from the dugout, and that's one of the guys who's been there, done that. So somewhat of the veterans and taking advantage. And so when the smoke clears tonight, who do you think is going to go on top and go into the playoffs? I'll go this far. I will say this game will probably go into extra innings. You'll probably get a walk-off win, and that means the Giants should get it done. Okay. So who are your picks for the 2021 World Series? Uh, World Series prediction, I'm going to go with the Houston Astros and the San Francisco Giants, the winner to be announced. The winner to be announced. All right. And so you've been following this series for for years and, and even this year. How does 2021 compare to 2020? Obviously, we're coming out of the pandemic. Well, obviously, the fans make a great difference. And then on top of that, these, the Giants weren't this good last year. They kind of took the MLB by storm, won 100-plus games, weren't supposed to be there. So that's kind of what makes that rivalry a little more special. Okay. And, and what's been your surprise team this year? Um, no really surprises from any of the teams that are still left, to be specifically honest with you. So, you know, another good quality year of baseball, 162 in the books, ready to get to the ALCS, NLCS gets to the World Series. All right. And so get ready to watch it tonight. What channel again? That is on TBS, I believe. 
All right, and we'll look forward to talking to Zach in the future as we are counting down the end of the baseball for 2021. All right, when we come back, we're going to be going through three memories of Ron Fresh. It's me, the rock t-shirt in the back of your closet. Dude, remember? You crowd surfed in me, man. But you haven't worn me in like forever. I get it, you're retired. But I still got some rock left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. All right, we're here at Mayberry Calf, and uh, Saturday afternoon, and when we're getting this thing set up, Bill Russell's kind of part of this deal here, and got you know talking a little bit, and then I finally had a brainwave, and I said, "What well, about getting Ed Wise out here for the show?" And he goes, "We will do that." <laughs> yep. And I'm sure eight. enough, we made it. We got Ed Wise out here, and uh, you know, veteran of racing back in the years, and kind of like when it was fun, you oh, know, yeah. just when it was starting to get expensive. There, you kind of got involved in the. Yeah, we started 80s, in the late seventies. And uh, progressed, yep. You know, end up racing the super lates, and you know, may not have had a car to win the A main, but nope. you know, you got to see a lot of good oh. Denny and Larry shows, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. I got to follow them quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how did you get involved in racing? Well, back when we first got started, I had a '65 Chevelle Malibu. I woke up one morning and it was missing out of the driveway, and. It got stolen that night. The guys took it. They stripped the wheels and tires and half of the stuff off of it, and then they burned it. Wow. And they, they pulled it back into a housing development that was just starting to be built, and they burned it there. And uh, when I got it back, we uh, decided to go ahead and take it up to the racetrack. Was it going to be a show car of it, like a classic car? Well, I was, I was just, just, like it was daily just a daily driver, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we decided to take it to Mottville, go racing with it. And it had a uh, 396 in it. And then big blocks, they just weren't really made to, to rev hard <laughs> and stuff. But we decided to take it up there to Mottville and try it out. And... Uh, I got home from work that night, and them guys had had that sitting on the trailer, and the guy took some house paint and put X8 across the door of it. <laughs> so that was my first number was X8. And uh, so we uh, took it up to the racetrack, and when I first started out, I didn't think you were supposed to step on the gas pedal until you got to the finish line <laughs> instead of coming out of the corner. And so... Uh, the flagman, he he was getting kind of upset with me because I wasn't stepping on this thing coming out of turn four. He finally motioned for me to get to the pits. So I pulled back into the pits, and I told Bill, I says, what's what's the problem? He says, man, he says, you got to step on that thing coming out of turn four. I says, well, I thought I couldn't step on it until I got to the starting line. He says, no. He says, step on it coming out of four. And because uh, I wasn't all that old back then either, I didn't know nothing about racing. And uh, being too polite. Yeah. So I got back out there and I finally got it qualified. Then, and uh, as it was, we blew the motor up. I think that night because it just wasn't set up for an oval track at all. But that's that's where we got started racing. Hmm. And uh, and that must have been in about '75. 
because in 76 was a centennial year and that was I raced that year because that was the first trophy I got was a red white and blue one mm. and I'll always remember that that way but uh, yeah we've been into racing for a while and then you and Bill teamed up yeah well he was he was, he had been involved in it a little bit with his ex-brother-in-law and uh, so he had a little idea what was going on I was a greenhorn <laughs> I knew nothing but uh, we uh, we got to go racing then and it was fun it's been a lot of good years there and you guys had that team Chevelles yep the 177 yep. and 77 yep. we had the twin cars back at one time and and the announcers they couldn't keep track of who was in what you know when we first started out uh, they didn't know which one of us was driving the car so me and Bill decided well you drive Montville this year I'll drive New Paris and then the next year we switched tracks so we would get used to one track for the whole year you know and then we'd switch until we got the two cars going but uh, it was always fun and then you went into the outlaw lates yep yeah we went from the hobby stocks there uh, the first race car I had we just dug up some old tires and wheels as a matter of fact I've got a picture of this first car and on the left front it's got a mobile home tire and you can tell that it's a mobile home tire <laughs> and uh, so we just had some old tires that we threw on this thing and, and uh, we slowly learned what to do you know then you probably rolled into pits and saw who's that orange 32 is this guy know, pretty quick or yeah. what you know yeah i i can remember when doug lane come to mottville in his first car and it wasn't nothing like our first car <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you can learn a lot just by walking the pits and looking at somebody's vehicle oh, you yeah. know yeah well being a machinist i i made some of our stuff you know back then you wasn't buying it off the shelf like you do today and we, I made a steering quickener for my car, and I made different things for my car. But uh, back then, we made our own wheels. I had steel wheels that was as heavy as I was. You know, I mean, it was just so heavy. But uh, today, it, it takes a lot of money in a, in, to go fast. And uh, but I had back when I raced, it was the good old days. You know. Now you guys went from basically a stock-looking body with no spoilers or aerodynamics to yeah. get into the outlaw lates, and oh, then you yeah. see the guys coming in with the, the wedge noses and the, the yep. windshields taken out and the wedge tails, and yeah. my God, this stuff's serious business here. Well, I went to Kalamazoo for the first time with the outlaw, and I the wing and everything was still on the back of it. I went up there, and I unloaded and went out, and I hot-lapped, and, man, it felt good. <laughs> Pretty soon the official comes down in the pits and he says, that wing's got to come off of there. <laughs> and I says, it does? And he says, yep. So I took the gun and I started taking the rivets out, pulled all the wing off of it. I went back out there and I liked to went in circles. <laughs> I couldn't believe how much that wing done for that car. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've, I've learned that that wing does make a difference. We weren't, weren't caring to go back there, were you? No, I, I never did go back there much, but uh, we're going to plan on going back up there this year and playing with a car that John had built us and uh, for me and Bill to kind of play with. We're going to go up there and try to do a little racing and 
That was kind of a neat replica car. Yep. And yep. Um, it was kind of like a couple years ago at the car show. They brought it in all covered up. And yep. I uncovered it Friday afternoon to get some pictures of it, covered it back up. And then you guys came out there yeah, about 6 o'clock. Yeah, that was kind of a surprise. Yeah, and was... we were taping it. And probably about, I think maybe about 300 people were around that whole oh, thing. Oh, yeah. You know, it was like, this is, a, you know, trying to get you back there without it being a surprise. And yet we had yeah. look like a fight scene back there or something. Oh, yeah. Well, like, you know what? What the heck's going I on I was here? real suspicious of what was going on. <laughs> I was walking back to that car. And there was people on the other side of the hallway, and I'm sitting there like I'm some kind of a uh, movie star or something, you know, because they just kept watching me, and I thought, something's going on here. And Big Tom was over there, and I said, something's going on around here, you know. And he says, I could just tell by watching your eyes that you was really looking out and seeing what was going on. And then they unveiled it, and I was real surprised. Yeah, some old pictures and yep. some uh Pretty cool looking. Brought like a lot of memories. I mean, going oh, back yeah. almost forty years ago. Yeah, you know to see that. Yeah, that's yep. That's that's a neat old steel body. <laughs> now are you gonna look at driving too, or? Yeah, oh yeah, I'm gonna go up there and play with it. Not every now your fire shoes still fit. I bought a brand new. Oh, okay, so you don't have to try soon to squeeze so, yeah, it. As soon there. as I knew this was happening, <laughs> we went out and bought a new fire suit and shoes and and everything. So or Carl we'll Szymanski raced super mods, and he got back in '80 to race the super mods again. Well, he was still six four, but he's probably you know like two seventy five instead of two thirty. He was trying to pull that fire suit, <laughs> and he had both those guys on the crew trying to pull his, his fire suit together on the top so he can put that zipper through. Yeah. Oh my God, is that going to help this guy, or are you going to cut off his circulation in a car or something? Yeah. There? Well, this seat that John's put in the race car, it's a little skinnier than the seat I used to use. Matter of fact, the seat that I used to use, I bought off of Fred Reed. So mm -hmm. that gives you an idea. It was a little bigger, you know. But uh, that was the seat that I always had. And I stored that up in my attic of the garage, and I always said, you know, as long as I own a race car seat, I'm not done racing. <laughs> and, uh, we're not using that seat, but we're not done racing either. So. Yeah. Now, when you had that Regal body, Bill had that Vega. Mm -hmm. and that was kind of a unique looking super yep. late model and oh, when yeah. it came out you know ross had that look like the gary Ballou car kind of with that roof that went all the way across the back of the mm -hmm. car that was a yep. unusual looking creature but bill had that vega yep. and a little bit about that story there that was kind of a yeah yeah creation to come out there yeah yeah that was when we both had our own cars back then and, and uh, we'd gathered up enough stuff you know and uh I think shortly after we bought Dick Farber's old car, we ended up getting a car of our own, and uh, that's when we kind of, we were still raced together, but we both had our own cars. Mm-hmm. Now, how about his favorite drivers back in the day? Oh, boy, there was a lot of them. I like, you know, we had a good time with all of them. But, uh... Who was the one guy you wanted to beat every night? Was there somebody that... No... Not, I was just there for the fun, you know. I mean, it's it's fun to win, and and I done my share of winning. Uh, not anything big, but I won plenty of heat races. Uh, but uh, yeah, just a certain person. I can't really say, you know, who would would have been. But so, how did you end up taking the seventy-seven number? Was that something you and Bill come up with, or well? Originally, the, the one car that we started with there was a 177, and we decided when we split apart, uh, 7 was always my favorite number. So I went with 77, and he stayed with 177. 
and that's kind of how we had come up with both numbers there then but but when we had them twin cars out there, the announcer he just he couldn't hardly tell us apart. I always remember my cheater way was Wise with seventy seven with the shorter last name and the shorter numbers. Russell the longer last name, the three numbers. Three numbers. So that was my, my cheater system there. Well, everybody called me Bill, you know, when they'd see me or something. They say, "Hey, Bill." No, you're not Bill. You're in. You know. We went through quite a bit of that. And the cost of racing. Oh. You know, it, when you had that street stock bait, or the road runner, mm-hmm. and like I say, a lot of stuff out of the junker. Then you went into the outlaw lates, and like we were looking at it earlier, and Chris mentioned, you know, six rules were about, and that was about it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, some guys might have stretched lates, them a little bit. But Super lates, you could pretty much, you know, bolt on what you wanted and go. But, uh, yeah, it's... And, I, and the one thing I liked about running the super lates was we was the first ones to get out of there at night. Mm-hmm. We got our payoff. We got out of there. Everybody else was there till the middle of the night. You know. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes those might have ran. Might have been around midnight. <laughs> oh man. You know, I've, doing your deals or, I've heard you know. stories about going back the next week. Mm-hmm. They was there till two o'clock in the morning. You know. Yeah. There were some late nights. It's like so. let's see how long we can stick this out. And yeah. it's like oh my god, there's six more races and it's two forty-five. And, yeah. You know, it's like you know everybody got their money's worth. Yep. They sure did. One thing I noticed about the cars of today versus yesterday, back in the day, I look at the pictures and I, I was like, where did these guys get these wheels at? The rims, I mean, you see steel and aluminum. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, pretty much like aero, yep. they all make the, you know, BART wheels, they all make the wheels and they pretty much all look alike. Yep. But you see some unique stuff looking at the pictures of, you know, back in the 70s and 80s. Well, when we used to, when we first started out, we made our own wheels. And we'd take a cement block and take the front tire off of the race car, put a just a rim up there. One of us would run the torch, and the other one would turn the wheel. And we'd wow. cut the bead off of the wheel and then stick another one in and do the same thing, but we'd offset it to where we could weld to make the wheel wider. And so we made all of our own wheels. Uh, back then we used inner tubes in them because our welds weren't the best you know we had stick welders most of the time we didn't even have wire welders yet <laughs> couldn't take a chance of you having know, a flap right? yeah I mean so we ran tubes back in our tires back then Wow but uh, yeah we've made our share of wheels and I've still got some of mine some of the old wheels Interesting. we're gonna be glad you made it up here today and you brought some books too and yeah you know, and um, say relate the bill didn't hurt matters any there either getting yep. up here and stuff. And it's going to see you racing again this year or yeah, doing some laps yeah, or something. I'll, there. I'll do something up to Kalamazoo probably. And uh, got to appreciate you because I know you go back racing 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. They started to believe it was 30 years ago with those late models. Oh, yeah. I went to, to 40 and raced one night up there and uh, just has so happened that the race car I was in, I won that night, got a trophy, and I haven't been back there since. But. <laughs> Uh, it was a good night for you. Yeah, I just, 40, 40, I just don't have many laps on that track at all. That's like a funnel track. When someone spins out, there's not a whole lot. You can't go high or low. You got walls on both sides. Yeah. And, you know, that dip in three probably was a little, you know, Yeah, that, that was real there. hard for me to get used to. I would come into turn three and pass everybody, <laughs> and then they'd pass me coming out of turn four. <laughs> you know, I just, I couldn't get myself to slow down enough going in like I was supposed to.
but I think that was just lack of not having enough time on that track. Now, did you pit in the infield, or did you go up on the hill? No, I was in the infield. So that's a little different when you're in the infield watching racing versus, you know, when oh, you're at, yeah. at New Paris or South Bend, you can watch from the wall. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you're, you know, it's almost like you got to get a pretty good vantage point yeah. or, you know, just yeah. different. The best spot up at M40 <laughs> is up there, um, turn four off of the hill if you're parked out top. Mm-hmm. And then down on the inside, you can hear the cars, and you can see a glimpse of them, and then they disappear, and then you'll see them again, and they'll disappear. So it's kind of hard to learn, and if you're going up there to learn, and yeah. you, you know yep. which line to run or hit your marks, it's kind of hard sometimes if you're down in the infield. Yep. And speaking of that dip, it almost seems like 90% of the wrecks are three and four. You know, I don't yeah, I think very so. a handful of wrecks were in one and two. I remember yep. they had that that fire with Fred Reed's car there. And, oh yeah, that you know, was crazy. Big deal. But you know, most of the time, it seemed like three and four was that dip. Someone would clip somebody and nail that wall, and yeah. you know, just uh, I remember Mickey Cornwell hit that wall oh, at yeah. night there with the street stock. He had a throttle stick or something. Yeah, and he built a brand new car. Every nut and bolt on that car was just brand new, just absolutely beautiful machine. And he went out, and uh, I was actually racing that night, and. Mickey goes down the back stretch and it sounded like a bomb went off mm-hmm. and we look wow. up and his car's up against the wall and he was slumped over the steering wheel and they started throwing extension cords and sawzalls over over the fence to cut him out of the car. That was the night they had the mini stock special and it was raining and they said let's do group qualifying and that was something they didn't really kind of experiment to do. Yeah, they kind of, you know, trying to something do to something speed, different with the program, speed, speed, the program speed it up, up because, you know, the red flag was out for Mickey's wreck, and uh, thank God he's alive today, but that was a that was a bad wreck. I remember taking a picture after that wreck, and I'm like, oh, God, I don't know if I should have kept that or not, you know, and I still got it in the book. but I was so I nervous just... that night. Um, I was supposed to start um, towards the back in the sportsman feature, and due to Mickey's wreck, that moved me up on the pole, and I was scared to death that night. I ran against guys like uh, Rich Merzrow and Kevin okay. Walker, mm-hmm. and man, there was some really fast cars there that night, and it put me on the pole, and I ended up finishing third that night, and I had a flat left front tire when I pulled in the pits. I was like, wow. we had a late race restart. Rich Merzrow got me on the outside, and I kept telling myself, don't overdrive three, don't overdrive three. I went in there and the car went straight and I thought, oh, I was going to take somebody out and come to find out my left front was flat. Uh, yeah, they they don't drive track. well with flat tires. <laughs> but we're glad, glad you made it up here. Okay, thanks and, a lot. Uh, I know we got a Montville reunion in a couple weeks and might see up there at Jones. There's a what? grill up there they're setting us up at. Luke Smith oh. is getting it rigged up there, so we'll uh, pass the information to you yeah. there. I know they got with me about being up there and it sounds okay. like a pretty good time so okay uh, it uh be a lot of stories and you know sometimes those old timers and oh, yeah. they win like maybe 15 races by the end of the night they won 100 you know yep. some stories. Yep, but that's for sure you get somebody talking like i don't remember that happening but you know <laughs> it's all for good somebody fun will remind you yeah yeah all right well thanks again yep yeah <laughs> COVID-19 vaccine has And the thing I heard about the vaccine... Sure, but do we really know about the long-term effects? Did you read that thing on the internet? You heard from his cousin that they don't... Okay, you're hearing a lot of talk about the COVID-19 vaccines these days. So how do you find out if getting vaccinated is right for you? By talking to someone you already trust, your doctor or healthcare provider. They'll answer your questions so you can decide what's best for you and your family. Go to GetVaccineAnswers.org to find out more. That's GetVaccineAnswers.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hey, we're here at the Bristol Street Cafe, and we have 
uh, third generation racers here with us, future racers, and uh, you're part of the Billy Rumba racing crew. Now you're going to be part of the Billy Rumba racing team, drivers, and you are? Brianna. And your last name is? Rumba. There you go, and you're from? I got Indiana. See, see you're, you're talking fine. And you are? And you're from Elkhart, Indiana, too. You live with her, don't you? You guys are. I bet you guys are sisters, aren't you? And then, uh, how's this going to turn like about racing? Did your dad ask you about wanting to race, or was this something that you guys went to him and said we want to get into racing, or how that come about there? I always wanted to race, so mm -hmm. it just uh, my dad already knew I wanted to race. I don't know how she wanted to race. What do you? I wanted to race, but my brother did it, so. That's kind of neat having family out there, and then you guys are the ones either with the camcorder, because I know you guys do a lot of camcording at times. Sometimes the camera goes up and down, and if I'm watching, I think I'm on a boat, you know, or a, you know, maybe going on a shipwreck or something. Sometimes with the camera moving around, so I don't want to get seasick or anything. But you know, but uh, we're gonna be something different. Now, have you ever driven a car legally or illegally or no. anything there? So never nothing in behind a wheel of anything yet. So that's going to be something you're going to be having to do too. At least it'll be do at the racetrack and not on a city street or anything there. Yeah. And there's actually kind of neat too. There's a lot of girls that are out there racing. You know the sleigh balls. They got their deal going on out there and some others. So it won't be like you're really feeling alone. Now like Leah. I mean she went from you know not even knowing what you know getting behind a wheel or anything now and racing. So nothing's impossible there. Yeah. Now, what grade are you guys in? I'm in seventh. So, if you're telling anybody you're going to get into racing, they probably think of Night of Destruction or Demolition Derby or something like that. And, and you say, you know, actually around a racetrack or something, they're like, what? Mm -hmm. Now, is there a lot of kids that you know go out to the New Paris Speedway? No. no. I mean, sometimes there's groups out there that do that and stuff. but So, really, you won't have to worry about a whole bunch of kids from school watching your race or anything like that. Now, you're doing a lot of some other activities at school yeah. sports-wise, aren't you? Mm -hmm. And tell us about that. Um, I do basketball and volleyball. And, and with you being very tall, I mean, you're taller than I am, so it's always like, well, you got to play basketball. Yeah. So how's that turning out for you there? It's doing good. We have a game tomorrow. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the position you play? Probably center, I'm going to imagine there. Yeah. Or the one in the middle catching the ball, <laughs> throwing the ball to everybody else, and then trying to... To stand over everybody else, right? Yeah. So you get a lot of support from your parents on the sports yeah. stuff and that, so it works out pretty good there. Mm -hmm. So now, like your dad said, you got to get good grades now to keep up with this racing bit. So, yeah. so you're gonna have to behave and don't be kicked out of school for <laughs> illegal pants or anything like that, right? Yeah. Now those pants are they still illegal to wear at school, or or was that just they're still not legal to wear at all yet? So you can only wear these at at an interview show or uh, or at the uh, on a weekend, right? Um. <laughs> yeah. Now, what? You do any sporting events or anything like that, nope. or, or anything journalists or nope. writing or photography or nothing? Just boys and Facebook, no. right? <laughs> no. You don't have any boyfriends. No. All this time you're on this Facebook and you're not even talking to a boy. Uh -huh. How, that doesn't make. Oh, you can't date. <laughs> no. no. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I might have to talk to your mom about that. Because uh -huh. because if you might meet some boy that's got a lot of money, he might you know. <laughs> Get a lot of might fail to you know move you up in a race car or something there. Oh my god! Mm. No. no, nothing like that. So you're gonna be racing New Paris. Yeah. And what class you'll be in? I'll be in Hornet. And then you'll be in the Diva. Uh, yep. So you're not racing together. But no, it's gonna no. be actually the same car. Yeah. So you're gonna have to change the seat when she sits in it, or put some phone books in it. <laughs> you know. Wow. 
Sliders. And what's the car number? 18. 18. And it's going to be purple and white, right? Purple and blue. Purple and blue? Okay. So you guys going to do any of the painting on it or anything like that? No, nope. he's doing it. I mean, I'm, I will help him. Yeah. Well, we hope so. Yeah. You know, it's gonna be your guys' race car, so it'd be only kind of right to help out. Are you gonna help your mom around the house too? And, you know, you guys yeah. do that. Dishes and yeah, laundry and clean up after yourselves for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit there. Okay. Well, we're glad you guys made it out here, and we'll probably see it at the car show, spectating, or even a car perhaps. So you know, he's always, always out there. Almost every day you're out there. And uh, it's always fun to be out there for that deal there inside the mall. You know the mall's a little quiet and not a lot of stores out there, but yeah. still need to get 60 race cars in a mall at one <laughs> setting. And kind of a family reunion of sorts because you get to see a lot of people you don't even see since the blowout weekend there and stuff. So I want to wish you well, and uh, we will see you later on. Thank you. See, Billy, they passed the test. News Source 1 Michiana is still your station for happy and whole in him and school and community. News from Sylvia Stark. Michiana Racing Coverage still expounds with Ron Verash and we give a hearty station welcome to Fred Webster who will cover Plymouth and Rochester News. More is coming next. Good battery really helps. When the battery goes out, you don't know until it starts up and then it conks out. Hey, we're here at the La Paz Legion. Not a lot of people here tonight for the interview show, but we got some still some pretty good stars from local racing, and we got someone here that's raced almost going on 40 years now, Rich Bowl, and uh, you know started off in the street stocks. And how did you get started in racing? Kind of going back. In their, you know, fan of the racetrack, and I know your dad was involved in racing too and stuff. My dad and uh, Uncle John Swoven raced, and I was just a kid and always helped out, and here I am, 35 years later. <laughs> and then with John, he always raced the two or the 22, yeah, and the hobby stock class, and then he went into limited late models when they went to that pro track tire for a couple of years there and stuff and. Kind of a, a you know, I have a lot of different things were going on in racing back then because he had the slicks in the seventies and then uh, the, the that kind of got too cost effective and then they went let's go to the pro track tire the treaded tire yeah, and did some tire deal and a lot of <laughs> a lot of the guys boycotted it for a little bit I think like Denny and Zinton and guys I think they might have boycotted it but. Then I think they all came back around. I don't. I can't remember. I was just a little guy. And then, like in '85, that's when the late models were out at South Bend because of the cost. Bird dropped them, and then the supers were racing there for a few years. They were done. So then it really became kind of trying to build that street stock class up. And you know, you're in there, and Mike Zielinski was in that mix at the time, and Bob and um, Fred Malecki, Malecki, yep. guys, Bob Robleski, and you know, we had nothing for them guys. We was like the slowest feature there was maybe not the slowest guy but <laughs> probably one of the slowest <laughs> and kind of like at that time every track had pretty much the same rules so you could go to different tracks oh, yeah. and run which was you know really can't say do that so much anymore now but uh you know and everything was from the junkyard you didn't have to worry about lane automotive or anything special it was all something you guys could you know conjure yeah. up but then you know as racing changed going into the 90s then you started racing with the late model class and uh, boy, did the competition? I mean, 
for a while, you see like the late models, there's always a lot of slower cars. And then it got almost now, there's no slow cars in the late models anymore. It's everybody's no, on really. their game now. Not really. It's pretty fast. A lot of, a lot of guys are, has done their homework and here we are today. And kind of going back with South Bend, you know, Bird had the track closed. We did the save races. You came out to both of them there. Yeah. And, you know, it showed that there was still something that maybe something could happen and the Browns got a hold of it and had it for five years and it was just kind of like you had this track in your backyard forever and then it was closed and it's like almost like you're losing your buddy or something and then to see the track come back to life and you know we did our shows and you know give it a pulse there and Steve and the Browns Jen and Bill you know got that thing going again and that was did a uh, nice job too. and then what was even surprising then there's a guy named Kevin Sauer racing late model I think it was the uh, the Magical 55 car. Yeah. Roddy Smith won yeah. it that night. And, and Kevin bought it. And, you know, you're looking at the press releases. It was like in January, February, and it said Kevin and Vern Sauer bought Southwood Motor Speedway. And I had to look at that again going, that, Kevin just started racing, didn't he, or something? I mean, it was kind of like a surprise about how that went about. But uh, Yeah, I was drunk you know. with Kevin, too. I said, you know what, you got all this money. And I said, why don't you just buy the place? He said, well, you never know. <laughs> just we laughed at it, and, well, a few months later... There it, there it there is. is. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, they've done some, you know, Steve and the Browns did a lot of improvements to yeah. start with with the stands and some of the buildings. And Kevin and Vern now got it. And, well, I mean, it, it's good to see a, a lot of time being put back into yeah. the track to make it look. I mean, a lot of people are like with the surface and everything. I mean, the there's. Surface is rough, that's for sure. But I tell you what, for a rough surface, man, that is bad fast. Hey. I can't believe the speeds that we're going. And it just seems like every year. The track gets worse, and we go faster. faster. I, just, I don't, it don't make no sense to me. Yeah, it's like the street stocks were in the 15 seconds yeah. and 14s, and now the you know, like I said, the late models are in the 11s, and the sportsmen's are 12. I mean, it's almost like a one-second increment. And it's hard to believe a street stock, looking at it, is turning like a 12.9. You know, it's yeah. like God, my God, those were the late model speeds back in the 80s. I can't remember exactly what Steve Stacy set the track record at, but I think it was in the 20s, 11 20s this year. It was a 33 with him and Brian Ross, but I think, if I'm right, Steve got in the 20s this year, but I can't remember exactly. He, he would know if he was here. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> what we'll to call him about 2, 3 in the morning and ask yeah. him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just cool what they're doing with the track, and then they're you know putting on the big race with the Denny Nairi Classic. Yeah, awesome. And he did something pretty cool last year, or actually this year with your car, to commemorate the, the memorial, too. Yeah, yeah. Going to the number 16 car. Yeah, that was Jim's helped me out a lot back in the days. Kind of weird how uh, that deal even started. We was at South Bend back in the uh, 90s, and I think it was me and Carl Muffley was battling for the bomber feature. And we was going at it pretty good, and we were kind of parked over by each other on the back fence. <laughs> and he come up, put his arm around me, and said kid that was a hell of a race and it just kind of clicked we was friends ever since then and now bob's kind of took over his spot and that's where we're at today mm-hmm. now going through the years was there anybody that was like your fiercest competitor that you guys kind of paralleled your racing career you know the progression from street stocks to late models and stuff that you always kind of like he's one of the guys to beat well, you know, there's so many guys that were involved in racing and yeah, got out of it. At one time, me and Chuck Mandio wasn't 
the best of friends, and we finally came to a truce. Like, look, someone's gonna end up dead here if we don't, <laughs> you know, we don't chill out. But so we're good, and you know, and now today, you know, I don't know, I, everybody's, you know, I know Charlie Hannah's probably. I, I, I like to beat him. He's he's a tough racer. Him and Steve, Stacy, they're just man. They never stop. Mm-hmm. They can have cars that are pushing, cars that are loose, but they're gonna dig every lap. And it's like, man, you're wearing me out. Just quit. <laughs> let me let me win. You know. So. And both those guys, kind of like their careers, you know, kind of peaked a little bit, and then they went with different car owners. Steve yeah. went with Lonnie, and then yeah. you know Chuck Davis came along for yeah. Charlie, and that kind of you know gave another like extra juice in their career yeah. to you know keep it rolling. Something that you're kind of against. You know, you know, you and your dad's a pit crew for the most part. Yeah. But then you look at like the Charlie Hanna outfit with Davis, and there's four or five guys in the, on the you know crew. Same thing with Steve and Lonnie and them guys with Kevin and those. And it's like, man, you know, sometimes you pull in there and like, man, you know, you got to work almost twice as hard to get the same amount of stuff done. Yeah, I don't bring a whole lot of people to the track, but when uh, when it's time for help, they climb the fence and they're there. So. We don't worry about buying pit passes for some people because they're going to come in there anyhow. Yeah, well, they, they'll, they'll show up at some <laughs> yeah. point. One way or another. They have the beer after the races, yeah. and they'll, 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 they'll find, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll find the treasure. And then something you did here, too, in the last couple of years, two classes of cars. Yeah. Did you think it was going to be easier, or did you think, well, we got two, we might as well race both races. Well, it was fun at one time until two or three years ago, I won the late model feature. And I had to rush to get into the sportsman, and I didn't get the steering wheel latched. And I was going into three at South Bend, and all of a sudden the wheel popped out of my hand. Luckily, I kept it out of the wall. But after that, I was like, "Now nah, we're done with this. Mm-hmm. Either going to put races in between me, or I'm not going to do this." And that's when we just started putting other people in the cars because I like having a couple of different cars. But yeah, that. When, when that happened, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like, yeah, kind of like read your uh, obituary right there. Yeah, you know? I was like, well, what just happened <laughs> here? You know, so yeah, we mm-hmm. we changed that quickly. And something probably with your dad, you know, when he was racing, you know, everything was like, say, from the junkyard, and now with you had two late models and a sportsman, and you know, you're telling him how much it costs to do this and that, and he's probably just going, my God. This is, you know, the, the corner of the car is more expensive than the whole car was just a few years ago. Well, my dad's kind of strange on that program because he won't spend $100 on some, but if it's $20,000, he'll, he'll buy it. So I'm <laughs> not quite understanding what's going on there. I can't buy I can't get him to buy a wheel mm-hmm. to save my butt. <laughs> so I usually got a wheel and deal, you know, mm-hmm. on that. It's like, Dad, you know, you, you spend... Twenty thousand motor or a car, but you won't buy a hundred dollar wheel. <laughs> What's going on here? Well, I can straighten it out. Well, no, <laughs> but he does. He does his best, man. I love that guy to death. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So well, it's always good to see him in the pits and always smiling yeah, and ready yeah. to say hi. And he might be busier than the son of a gun, but he'll still come over and say, "Hey, how you doing?" And you know, always good to. Good to see someone. I mean, he's been around racing, seen the you know, the whole thing with South Bend. You know, the good days and the bad days, and it's kind of good to see him looking at the, you know, talking to him and saying, "Oh, the cars in the pits." You know, this is just a cool sign because so many tracks are just 
the hell yeah, you have to him that it's not the 70s no more. He didn't, you know, he don't know what Lane Automotive is. <laughs> he probably would pop faint when looking at that. Like, he wow. could go out in his yard right now and dig up a Camaro front clip. <laughs> that's, that's how crazy he is. In his garage. Oh, my God, he don't even want to go there. He don't throw nothing away. Almost like uh, Richard Humes with that parts truck. Yeah. Always going to be something in yeah. between the front and the back. and. It might be bent up, junk, but it's still in his garage. <laughs> that's the way it is. Something he did too the last couple of years, trying to run Kalamazoo on Fridays. How's that working with, you know, you got work, you know, you're working during the week to get the car ready for South Bend, and then now we're going to go to Kalamazoo too. A lot of extra, um, a lot of thought process have to go in just to be, so you go up there and run. Yeah, that didn't work out too good. Uh, I think we ran five shows at the most up there. We finally, the last two times we went, we was able to finish, but it just, it's tough up there, very tough. Um, I'm going to try it again, but man, you got to have your program together to go up there. I'm like not say saying that you can at any other track, but mm -hmm. Kalamazoo stuff. I know there's, one of those, there's no slouches. Yeah, there. there's no junk late models yeah. up there, so you just can't show up and go, well, I'll be at least... Yeah. You know, eighth quicker, or you know, there's. I think power. the best we got yeah. out there this year was maybe eighth. We qualified tenth, finished eighth. But, um, we're learning. I mean, that track's different. I, I struggle in three really bad up there for some reason. I don't know why. Wachaska um, is always something. Well, you got to swing the car out wider, which I know. But man, I can't get to go up there for some reason. Does that inside wall kind of have anything? No, that, that kind of. Me one bit. I think they're. Just struggle there, but we'll learn it someday. Maybe about time I retire. <laughs> All the tracks you ran, any favorite tracks that? Uh, South Bend for sure. And always loved the Villa. That was a fun track. I just wish that track was still open. Yeah, when we had that in the '90s, when Ish had it, and they had the late models, and then they had the limited late model class, and you know a lot of guys that would go to South Bend would run a Villa then on Saturdays, and it was right. Greg Early. And Ray Bear and you're over there and then like say I mean that night Lou Strimmy showed up with that basically his pro stock and yeah. he said you got to run late model yeah, tonight but it was just the horrible weather that night it was cold and if it was 50 degrees I might have been I think it was more, more closer to 40 degrees that night and you just sat on that inside and yeah you know won the race there I like Rockford man that's a really fun racetrack I just that's probably other than South Bend Rockford's probably my favorite the high bank track. quarter yeah, mile Kind of like Anderson, a, little, yeah, a lot of similar to Anderson. Because even when they made at South Bend first, and the guys came down from Anderson to look at the track, and they went to make a track, and then they took some of South Bend's dimensions, but then they changed it. It's yeah. a little different deal there. But yeah, it's, you know, I love Plymouth. Too bad it's dirt now, you know. I understand the situation there. Yeah, I mean, no matter what, Ed tried to get more cars that last couple of years. Yeah. It was always 12, 10, and 12, yeah, and 10. and worked out. And just, Bob uh, blames me for the tires, but <laughs> hey, I couldn't afford slicks, so I didn't want to run them. <laughs> now, do you have a preference running slicks versus... No, I hate them. Versus I rather run a tread tire. And now, really, the rules for about every track is tread a tire. Yeah. I know the old days it, it was slicks or about anything. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Anything you could bring in there. If if you're a high dollar racer, mm -hmm. I understand. You know, we got a lot of money in these cars, and you need to be on a good tire. Man, they've been coming out with 
there's nothing wrong with that D800 in my books, you know. Just got to figure it out. Yeah, just got to figure it out. Almost like a set of bowling lanes. Yeah, yeah You know, I mean, yeah. it's just like people are like, oh, this I can't is... get the 10 pin down. We got to move. <laughs> <laughs> Struggled with that Monday night about six times. Got flustered. Hey, we've been having trouble at Chippewa with the approaches being stick. I mean, you don't slide at all, and it's yeah. like... Yeah, that place it's, needs to burn down. It is. Uh, I hate to say that. It, it's sad to see going, kind of going on bowling now with the men leagues. Years ago, you could there's leagues you couldn't even get into because the right. places were full. Yeah. You go to Chippewa on a Monday night, and now it's like we got our first 22 lanes for our league. And, you know, the other 45 lanes are sitting there empty. You know, it's like you have to think. And every you know, Beacon's closed. You know, all the other places I miss closed Beacon, up. That's for sure. I miss Beacon. That and, was kind uh, of my hangout. Love that place. That was always fun. You know, we TP cars in the parking oh, yeah. lot and do. Oh yeah, we did a lot of dumb stuff there, man. And then you would go. You can go there at eleven o'clock and still have to wait and get lanes. Yeah. You know, now it's like I think they're probably closing by midnight, yeah. figuring you know by nine o'clock it's a done deal there and stuff. Now going back to your racing, a lot of sponsors. You know, and they almost need them to make make things work there. And you've had some for quite a few years. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Brand roofing. He's been on for about. Four or five years now. Lazy days, dog boarding. We picked up Lowry's uh, water damage this year and one eight hundred. Oh, one eight hundred. Yeah, you gotta have that one eight hundred shirt on for uh, Kretschmer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> FM Garage. They do all our painting whenever we need it. Um, man, I knew I, I knew I should have wrote this down. I was going to too, and I was like, man, I know he's gonna ask me about sponsors. R&B Car Company, they've come on, well they have really for, ever since I drove for them and we've just always been kind of a silent deal, but now he's let me run his logos. Mm -hmm. They had a couple construction companies over the years there. Yeah, um, Casey Sprager at one time, they, when I worked there, they're out of business now. And, oh man, who knows, it was my mom, dad, or my mom, my mom, she's dead, but, uh, dad, in spirit, my wife, yeah, and my daughter, Jazz, and you know we brought Doug Fox in this year to race our street stocks. That's been a really good combination. <laughs> he's, a, he's a character, and I have to begin yeah, with. You know, it's never a dull moment, just put it that way. But that's that's what's keeping me going is having him because I was I wasn't having fun no more. You know, it really wasn't. And with my dad and. Doug coming around, you know, this year helped out, and you know, between 2017 2018, we had 10 DNFs, and I was just like, man, I'm over this. Now, you had some major crashes that one, yeah, uh, crashes. one of the Nairi classics he got in that wall, yeah. and uh, one and rolled the wall there. And I mean, that car looked like it just, yeah, you know, that was bad news there. Wasn't that we was having motor issues, man? We just stuff breaking on the car, and it was, I was. When we when we wrecked at the gambler, I told Dan, I said, "Dude, we could be done with lake model racing. We got the street stock that we can play with." And he says, "Absolutely not." He says, "Well, either fix this or let's just buy another car and fix this later. As long as your money, we'll do whatever you want to do." So that's how we ended up with the car we got now. But that was we went there to look at a different car and ended up with that car. That was the best buy. Maybe look at like the late models. God, years ago you could find one everywhere, anywhere, and now you look at the pocket of late models, and it's like, you know, northern Indiana. I mean, southwest Michigan a bit with Berlin, Kalamazoo, and then you know the eastern side of the state a bit. 
a little bit in Ohio, and then really Florida, and that's it for the the wedge body. Yeah. You know, and it's just like it's just like a almost like the, the super modifieds, how they were just shrinking and shrinking and shrinking the where they could run at, and right. it's just. Uh, yeah, but I mean, the fans love them, though. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, it's just that that's. That's you got to have late yeah, models at your racetrack. That's that. Everybody's there to watch them. You know, I mean, the street stocks put on good shows. The sportsmen's they're all right. People aren't quite used to the sportsmen over yeah, here yet. That's nobody that, wants yeah. to come to a racetrack and see eight hundred front wheel drives. I can tell you that right now. But I know they pay the money like we do, but I tell you, nobody and nothing against them, but nobody wants to sit there and watch. Other than the people that are, are, there. are tied in with them and yeah, stuff and family. But uh, I only yeah. watch them if I know somebody. Anyways, you know. <laughs> too many, bo- to too many black cars. I mean, you look and there's like twelve cars in a race and nine are black. It was like yeah. my God, it's like, but it's just just the way it goes, I guess, about stuff there. And then your plans for next year? Still going to be racing South Bend? And well, the plan is, I think, I might have the Seneca car sold. Just, You've been willing to deal in cars here the last couple yeah, of months. Yeah, it's been a yeah, it's been a definitely silly season for us. <laughs> I sold my street stock to Kevin, and then I bought a car from Klotz. Well, I sold that, and then Kevin's like, "Well, you want to buy this car back?" So I was like, "Yeah, I'll buy it back." <laughs> so yeah, it's been crazy. But I'm looking. I'm hoping. I don't need two late models no more. I done decided that if we're gonna go to Kalamazoo, we'll just go whatever car we got. Mm-hmm. You know, just it's, one car is going to end up sitting, mm-hmm. and we got too much money in these late models to yeah. be sitting. You know, mm-hmm. we, like I said, we race that car five times. Kalamazoo, when they mm-hmm. rain out, or if they're, mm-hmm. you know, if it's raining, they call them at nine, ten o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it clears up or not. Yeah, they're, they're done. They Gary, Gary's knows that forecast yeah. is it's going to kill the crowd. So, so yeah, we just I told Dad. Of course, he always says, well, it's up to you, whatever you want to do. And I tell him, well, you're the owner, you know, you, you can have an input. No, you, you do what's best. So, so that's sold. I got some guy from Berlin, I think he's going to buy it. But we're still, but he just wants the chassis. I don't know how we're going to do this. You know, he don't want the shocks, he don't want the motor, he don't want the transmission. So I'm still going to be stuck with some stuff. Because he's probably going to race as a template. Well, the guy, I guess they got some new class. Sportsman. They, yeah. they, they can't same thing, different names. Yeah, so, you know. he's, so he's wanting it mm-hmm. for that. But, um, yeah, Doug's planning on still driving for us in the streets. I'm actually uh, hoping the Seneca car goes so... I can buy another street stock. I want to put him in a different car and, and then have John Long update the one we got. So, yes, and I'll just run the blue car. Just, I just got the motor out of that last Saturday. I hated, I hated even tearing a bolt off that car because that thing was so good this year, but it was getting tired. Mm-hmm. That last race at M40, the clutch was starting to slip and or the tranny one of the two I can't remember but uh, motor Bob told me not to even run that motor mm-hmm. all summer because the valves were, weren't the best and well we did anyhow and it didn't on break. life support yeah it didn't break <laughs> so it's it's how it goes to Reveille Sunday morning so we'll see what happens well, yeah, that, 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 that 40 race was unique we had Gainus Gainus in another yeah. time zone then you yeah, and Corey were racing always. You know, and Northrop was in that mix. And then there was another group of cars that were like two, three laps down that were racing together. And he had the street stocks out there. And a couple of times, although Gainus is going to probably wipe out with a street stock or, you know, misjudge something the way he was just 
I don't, know how, I don't know how he's so fast, but man, I just, I want to know because I want to be that fast. <laughs> he just, he come flying by me on the outside. I was like, dude, I'm like full speed and I'm sitting on jack stands compared to you. Hey, you know, he'd be, you know, Green Fly would go out and he would take off and I was like, he was just not letting up and you guys were battling, yeah. you know, lap traffic slowing you up a little bit and I'm like, my God, these guys are probably going to be like, God, Danis is lapping cars by lap five, you know, yeah, and he's already well, just. I think I almost you know, went a lap down. Almost. The yellow flag, the yellow flag saved you guys yeah, quite a few times there. Saved me, and it's like, that's the thing, you know. That's, that's what's kind of frustrating is that we were so good at South Bend this year, but like when I went somewhere else, we weren't that good. It's like, man, how can we be so good here mm -hmm. and not good there? Yeah. This thing is locked. Okay. All right. So, but uh, at any rate, we're going to let you go. And you got to thank you for coming over here. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll see you around again, you know, oh, yeah. probably well, stuff maybe there. Maybe if you have a, another one of these, we'll do it again when there's a better turnout or something. But, uh, yeah, we still got some people down here and talk racing. And uh, always good to get, oh, yeah. get out and look at the stuff and see what people are up to with the racetrack and cars. And uh, kind of like family. You see family all year long, you know, to track every week. And, Never get to say a whole lot because everybody's right, busy, but right. you know, nice to get a setting like this where you can sit back and relax. Not yeah. have the not have the guy next to us revving the motor up and yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, that there. So, all right, well, all right, thank man. you for coming out. Yep, thank and you. And we're gonna hope bowling gets better for you. Yeah, it's got to get better for me. Yeah, I've struggled the last couple of weeks. So. Nothing like a 195 Ooh. last year, and I'm at 181 right yeah, now, and I I'm think like, I ended with a 198, and I'm thinking I'm down to 184 this year. So, handicap. It's good yeah. for handicap. So. Yeah. Okay. All right, thank you much, Rich. All right. Chesney shut this off. What was that? Chesney shut that off. Oh, okay. okay. All right, let me fix this up now. So, how, what'd you do here? some upcoming information of how to apply for Christmas assistance in 2021 at the Elkhart Salvation Army. They will begin taking applications electronically beginning October 25th and running through November 8th. You can apply at www.saangeltree.org. These applications must be completed by November 8th for you to be considered for Christmas assistance. You must include everyone who is living in your household on your application. You must upload the following documents into your application to be considered for assistance. And they are a current driver's license or government issued ID or passport, proof of address that is in the last 30 days and no junk mail, proof of all income including food stamps, and you must provide birth certificates for all children ages 14 and under. Keep a close eye on your email for updates and reminders regarding your application pickup date and time. If you need assistance, Christmas assistance, keep an eye out for these appointed dates for the Salvation of Elkhart. Once again, they will begin accepting electronic holiday electronically October 25th through November 8th at www.saangeltree.org. Take care and have a wonderful day. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. 
George MacDonald once wrote, everything difficult indicates something more than our theory of life yet embraces. I think that captures David's vexation when he penned Psalm 39. Listen, Psalm 39. I said, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. So I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good. But my anguish increased. My heart grew hot within me. While I meditated, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You've made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush around, heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Save me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of fools. I was silent. I would not open my mouth, for you are the one who has done this. Remove your scourge from me. I'm overcome by the blow of your hand. When you rebuke and discipline anyone for their sin, you consume their wealth like a moth. Surely everyone is but a breath. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Do not be deaf to my weeping. I dwell with you as a foreigner, a stranger, as all my ancestors were. Look away from me, that I may enjoy life again before I depart and am no more. Friends, what a shocking ending. I mean, how did this make it into God's inspired songbook? Is it right to pray to God that he turn his face away so we can smile again and die in peace? Well, it's in the Bible. And this psalm begs many questions, and I believe it allows us a few reflections. If you noticed, it began with a commitment to be silent, which only led David to become a volcano, after which he goes to God with a request. And then we find the same pattern repeated in, Psalm, in verses 9 to 13. Have you ever zipped the lip when around certain folks, knowing that anything you said could and would be used wrongly, perhaps at work or school or even with family? You bit down on your tongue for the sake of God, despite all the angst and pain. But the more you reflected on the situation, the more heated you became. You ever felt like David? The fire burning within as you consider the situation? But David does well. He addresses God. And we see he brings his dilemma before God. He sees just how short his life is. Multiple times he speaks of the brevity of life. My life's end. The number of my days. How fleeting my life is. You ever visit a graveyard, see all the headstones, knowing that six feet down are just innumerable people who came before you? That's why David cries out, show me my end, God, so I can maybe figure out life's meaning and my purpose. 
our lives are but a hand breath. This is one of the smallest units of measure for the Hebrews. David says, God, your gift of life is but a few inches long, but I feel eternity in my heart. And David looks around at everyone and nobody seems to realize this. They're buying new toys, they're checking the stocks, they're celebrating their likes on their new status on social media. David says, God, they're so busy in their accomplishments, gaining wealth, seeking control. But after death snatches them and it's right behind them, they have no control and nothing they had goes with them. What a waste. Yet another fragile phantom comes and then snatches up what they had. So David says, oh God, I'm learning and I look to you for hope in all this. I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm suffering from the consequences of my folly. Please don't let my name become mud after I'm gone. And again, David decides to silence. He says, I'll keep my mouth shut. After all, this is your doing, God. <laughs> but David can't be silent. He says, God, please stop slapping me around. Divine discipline seems so harsh, especially to all these frail fools who live to gather up all that you're going to consume. Oh, another breath, another soul gone. And David cries out, please, God, don't be deaf to me. Please hear me. Listen to me. And then David concludes by saying, okay, I get it. I'm just like Abraham, like Moses, like all who served you before me. And they're all gone, long gone. So God, just look away from my sorry self. And maybe I'll be able to crack a smile before I fade away. And that is the end. Friends, how should we think about this? Well, a few reflections. We may wonder why some of us feel God's discipline throughout our lives and all the futility. And yes, in the moment it is painful, but friend, it shows you that you're a legitimate son, a legitimate child that your father loves. In fact, he loves you too much. He loves us too much to let us find our ultimate joy on the good things of this earth. You see, our eternal God wants our eternal souls to hope solely in Him because He alone is the only thing in this life we can have who will not let us down in the end. And lastly, this final cry of David that God let him be, I find it to be, in fact, an encouragement. You recall Peter once said something similar to Jesus. Peter said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And we know that wonderfully, Jesus did not agree to Peter's prayer. And that is how we can understand the final part of Psalm 39. Derek Kidner writes, The very presence of such prayers in Scripture is a witness to his understanding, to God's understanding. He knows how men speak when they are desperate. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. Profile America, Thursday, October 14th. The U.S. House of Representatives has been limited to 435 voting members since 1915 and kept that way by a 1929 act. On this date one century ago, Congress rejected two plans to alter the size of the institution. 
One sought to raise the membership to 460, the other, offered by a Massachusetts Republican, sought to reduce it to 425. The apportionment would have been based on the number of registered voters in a state rather than its population. The intent was to deter disenfranchisement of black voters in the South and would have taken 33 seats away from southern states with literacy tests and poll taxes. Apportionment changes announced in April based on the 2020 census saw three southern states gaining four seats while five northern and midwest states lost one each. Profile America is in its 25th year as a public service of the U.S. Census Bureau. This is News Source 1 Michiana. Elkhart South Bend.